Power is always dangerous. And winter is coming. I'm getting lost in the details of nothing. Remember the first time you saw Star Wars? We were still living at your mom's house. Dwight visits Tina before returning to Tulsa. Pete agrees to send Goody to Oklahoma, while Roxy tries to keep the FBI at bay. Dwight has an offer for Mitch. This is Season 1, Episode 6 of Tulsa King, Stable, and you are channel surfing with the Barking Bin. Description from IMDb, we will not be holding back on spoilers. I am Sandro, and I am joined, as always, by my podcast partner in crime, Ben, and our neighbor downstairs, Mark. So, what did we think? Um, I'm going to start off here and saying that I see this as a hard reset for the, uh, the storyline of the season. Um, and I find that problematic because we're six episodes in and it seems like now we are going to tell the story. So we're over the halfway mark, guys. And the, the humor that we all loved at the beginning, I think, was a ruse um, just I to get us. You. Yeah, just to get us hooked on the characters. And now we're getting to some serious storytelling, um, some of which I, I strongly dislike and some I'm, I'm on board with completely. Um, I'm curious, though, what, what did you guys think? Do, do, do you agree that we're, we're changing genres here a little bit? I don't think so. Uh, I actually saw this episode as more of a pulling the trigger episode where everything that we saw building up until now is going to start coming to a head. Hmm. So it's, it's not necessarily that they changed the tone. It's just that they've now embraced the tone that they have been building up to because it was a bit of a gradual progression from episodes one to five. You could argue that the capper might have been the final scene of the previous episode. But as an episode as a whole, this was the one that then started to say, all right, We've told you the pieces. We've shown you the players. It's go time. Uh, Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I do think the mood has seriously changed. And it did, obviously. It ended on the, the head stomp, the curb stomp, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, took five hours to clean up, gentlemen. How dare they? <laughs> I, I like that line. <laughs> um, but even from picking up at the airport, and I have to be honest, I think the lack of washing the car, how the heck could you pick up <laughs> Dwight without a washed car when you like that is your job. Remember he was in the driveway washing it the one time. Where did that yeah. pride go all of a sudden? It just, or it seems like something, but even maybe that's a subtle thing, but the way Dwight was awkward on getting picked up, the conversation was completely just tense and there was zero of the, of the fun that we really get in. And yeah. I felt like that's how they hooked us. I thought that's what was going to happen. It seems like that's what's happening. Yeah, it, they're definitely making it feel dirty uh, in regards to your statement about the car. The story is now dirty. Um, I, I hate to have to bring up Sons of Anarchy again, and I apologize for doing so. But it's Ireland. The last, yes, the last episode <laughs> for me was Ireland, season three of Sons. And now it feels like we're getting back on track, but things are a lot darker. And I'm cool with all of that if they build a strong story from this point on like it, it felt like it meandered here and there for me um i i like that we start off with the return of the horse return of pilot always <laughs> breaking out of the stable um i find it weird though that we go immediately to stacy who i'm glad to see get more screen time but her looking out for dwight multiple times 
and trying to like sidetrack Roxy's story to keep the focus on uh, Waltrip and not on Dwight. Um, I feel like Stacy's lost in the shuffle again. Is, is that a safe assumption? Do you two feel the same way? Mm. I can see the the lost in the shuffle, but he's all, she's also becoming a lot more insertive as a player in the story as well. Yes. I'm curious at what point does she keep protecting him to where she oversteps a, a line, right? Because he's not yeah. really asking for her help, and he's kind of like, I don't need your help. Do whatever. Bye. And she's going to obviously continue to help. It's just where does she cross, where does she cross her lines, right? Yeah. Very curious. Um, another question immediately that popped out for me was, how do you two feel about the fallout from Dwight killing the package? I thought that it was going to be a much more violent reaction from the mob and not Pete stating that basically Dwight was in the right for everything that he had done. And had he known, he would have done it himself. I think it further draws a divide between kind of like the new generation and the old, like the old guard of the mob, because mm -hmm. Pete still seems to have the same kind of principles that Dwight has, just maybe not as involved or physically capable of being involved and that's also creating this direct conflict with uh chicky who you know i i still feel a little bad for him because it feels like he's he's almost like the the fulcrum in the middle of that seesaw and he's just mm -hmm. trying to balance both sides without going completely insane yeah you mentioned that when we were watching the show and i really appreciate that pov because i i missed that and you saying it, you're like, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what Chicky does moving forward. Uh, he yes. gets minimal screen time, but his character is is incredibly important with how the rest of the show is going to play out. It's an interesting point of view on the balance, but this is the first time I saw Pete ever really kind of dress him down in front of anyone. And when he said, why do you have to make me do this to you? It's like, that seemed like a super duper slap in the face. It is, but that's part of what he's trying to balance because he's he's trying to do right by his dad, but he's also trying to, in a yeah. way, because I don't think he actually has any resentment towards Dwight himself personally. He seems to like Dwight, but he feels like, okay, I'm in charge of these other guys and I need to look out for them, which unfortunately puts me in conflict with Dwight and my dad. And right, but the point is this, he's trying to take, he's trying to take control and his dad obviously is not letting him reign. So there's that 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 conflict is seriously going to come to a head at some point. We know Pete's obviously not health, you know, conscious right at this point. Well, we know that, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that Chicky's intention is not to balance it out. It's just going to go right. terribly bad at some point, right? But I yeah. feel like he did want to take a further step than it went, right? Because he even said, didn't he say, "and daughter"? I mean, he literally went right there. Yeah, and that's when his uh, that's when Pete first started to kind of berate him because they don't right. do that. They direct they deal with their problems directly. They don't go after the family. And unfortunately, we saw at the end of the episode that Chicky did not follow that advice, uh, but not at the very very end. But the last mm -hmm. time we saw Chicky, although I'd say Tina's husband probably thought this was a breakthrough moment for Chicky. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this scene, I made a note saying Pete, potentially Dwight's last friend in the mob. And then later on, we get that bit with Goody. 
And that totally shattered my expectation because I, I, I really want to see Goody and Dwight in Tulsa together. But doesn't that also further display what I'm talking about? Because who were the three people that were in the room when Dwight killed Nico? It was Chicky. It was, I don't remember his name, the guy who got punched out by Dwight in the first episode. Vince. Vince. Yeah, whose real Goody. name is Vince, by the way. I looked at IMDb, and any actor whose name is is, is their actor name is should not be acting. Just FYI. <laughs> and it was Goody. So yeah. you had Chico with one guy who is Dwight's friend and one guy who is Dwight's enemy. So what do you think this means for Goody in, uh, in Tulsa then? Do, do you think it's going to be a, a Dwight support mechanism or a potential foe down the road? Yeah, I'm not going to even try to predict these. I'm willing to take a bold stab at something. There, there has to be something that happens to the consigliere that yes. Chicky might set up to make it look bad and make it pin, maybe pin it on Dwight in some way. I just can't think of it being smoothed out through the consigliere. You know what I mean? So yeah. something I, has to happen. I think Goody ends up taking a major fall for Dwight with the FBI down the road. Oh, interesting. Um, and I like Goody. I mean, he's, he me seems too. like a, he seems like a, like, you know, he kind of reminds me of like Polly Walnuts a little bit, kind of just straight yeah. up guy or like Sill, you know, he likes Sill too. My, uh, my next note just says, can we write Tina off of the show now? <laughs> no, because she like, only when, attacked the husband. I thought he was dead. I called it much earlier when the phone rang. I said to you guys, he's yeah. dead. Um, you did. You said it. But leaving him only injured absolutely means that there's going to be follow-up because you know she's now going to go to Dwight be like, you said we were going to be okay. It's just going to give her more airtime. Yeah. Uh, there, there were a few characters that kind of took a backseat in this episode. Um, Mark, you brought up uh, Tyson not washing the car. Um, when he and Dwight meet up, it's a pretty tense back and forth, especially over things like the cops taking Tyson's phone and having Bodie's contact in it. And right. then we really don't get much from Tyson in the show after that. He's there. We also know he gave the password away to go to the bathroom or whatever he had to do. Exactly. To get in there. But go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That was the question. Like, is this a conscious story writing effort, like storytelling effort to show tension between them? Or do you think they just don't really have much for Tyson to do now that the story's focused more on other people. I think it's a little bit of both. At the same time, yeah. you can't focus so much on every character in each episode or you just have too much to go over. Yeah. Um, and, and this just seemed like a suitable place to give Tyson a little bit of a backseat. Uh, although it was kind of curious because he didn't admit that he gave out the password. He just said to him, mm -hmm. they're really good at hacking these days. Yeah. I, I missed that until looking over a quick uh, plot synopsis. Um, Bodhi, significant lack of Bodhi, him being in hiding. Um, I, I, what I love most about the show is the camaraderie between all of these guys. So getting the fact that Bodhi is removing himself for the most part from the group until later on in the episode, which I love. But then the, the, the conflict between Dwight and Tyson. Um, I think it's good storytelling, but not the storytelling I want. So I feel like my opinion is pretty biased about was this a good episode or not? How do you guys feel about Bodhi taking a bit more of a backseat in this episode as well? I, I didn't really care for it, but 
I understand why, but I it was weird. Like he was in hiding, but what was he was doing yoga? What, what was he doing? Yeah, but he was like, it didn't seem like hiding. It seemed like he just was like not going to work or not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like he's like, fuck this. Well, if you think about the last episode, he went through some shit. He yeah, might no, I know that, but I mean, familiar like, with it and just need some time to <laughs> get right. Over but I'm it. saying, like, if I went in hiding, like, I'd be like, kind of dr- shades drawn, like, really shuddered in. You know what I mean? Not doing meditation again. And like, he's he's always a cynical character, right? But Very he just true. seemed removed. And the one person who has also probably about the same amount of screen time as Bodhi, but is presence has so much more of an impact i found this time was mitch um mitch doesn't have a lot of lines in this episode but he's also present um well you can see that his status has been elevating since the moment that he kind of brought Bodhi into the bar in the last episode yeah and now he is absolutely displaying a lot more of an equal footing to dwight Even the idea that Dwight has offered to become partners in the bar, I think the terminology used there is very telling that they are becoming partners. And obviously, I don't mean just in owning the bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, It goes back to what I was saying last time about at what point do we see Dwight take a step back and these other characters kind of take the forefront? Mitch, for sure. Um, For sure, in this episode, he showed his like uh, leadership skills and whatnot but it's funny once again they he makes that offer then that you know we'll talk about whatever that event that happens at the bar most people be like well i i really shouldn't get in bed with this guy and now he just leaned into it and he's like yeah we're good we're good yeah i found that pretty gutsy agreed um what do we think about the meeting between dwight and waltrip i am not a fan no Nothing happened. I didn't like it what at was all. the point yeah. of that meeting entirely? Exactly. It felt like padding a story, but they put so much weight on it that it felt like it should be like a, a key piece for the story moving forward. And I assume it will be, but they never really gave us enough info in this to make us believe it. It's just looking at the characters in the story, that's all I can really see happening. I would have loved to see it written in this way. They agree obviously they had there's tension but they agree obviously they weren't going to do the nitrous anymore but somebody yes. on dwight's crew keeps doing it and then they catch them and then creates like a retention that would have been a mm-hmm. cool way to do it versus this bullshit because like it was over and then the guy's like well let's just send him a lesson uh, send him a message anyway because he said he was out of it you know what i mean yeah Could almost it, let it there i i didn't like the way it was done to it, your point it, it, it's a missed opportunity i think when yeah. Roxy proposes uh, a sit down, which ironically they didn't sit down for, <laughs> I thought mm. that this was going to be the first step to Dwight actually recruiting the bikers to be on his side against the New York Mafia. Mm. And then they actually get together and it's just a couple of insults and carry on our way. And it's like, well, that was a tease. And I didn't yeah, find myself chuckling one time during this entire episode, I don't think, other than maybe when the husband got injured. There, there, was, there were some good lines that I laughed at, but... Right, I just, I felt like, to your point, though, it had this heavy, deep, like, just heavy heaviness to it, or just a, it, it was uncomfortable to watch again. Yeah, I Well done, like to was, your point, but off, like, awkward now. 
I was waiting for something really big to happen. The tone of this episode made me feel like we're getting something massive, and there was no payoff. (laughs) This episode ended in a very similar uh, symbolic method as the last one. Yeah. Dwight killed Nico, and that sets off the mafia, and now he kills Roxy's husband. I don't even know what his name was. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Me neither. Seems like a weird thing to do. Like, I'm just going to shoot the front of a closed building without knowing who's inside, where they're at, or have any, like, it, did he think it was closed? There was no one in there? Did, it was a bar. It was at night. I think it was panic. No, I'm I, saying, I, what, like, what it, the guy in the motorcycle, like, mm-hmm. he was stupid the way he even approached it. It wasn't even a drive-by or anything. Like, yeah, the message would have been, like, a couple shots and a drive-off, don't you think? I, I don't know. <laughs> Like no. him just standing there unloading like seemed odd because obviously someone was going to retaliate. No, no, it's it's a legit point to bring up because yeah, it, it is really dumb. Um, At that point, if you're going to send a message, just throw like a Molotov into the bar, right? Yes, yes. right, something like that. Maybe like a couple shots and then a Molotov or something, and then a, and then you hear the motorcycle ride off. You see the jacket or something, and that's it. I don't know. How it did just you two- weird overdone that that scene a little bit. Yeah, but this is absolutely a very big um, moment because killing him specifically is you now killed Roxy's husband, who is a member of the biker gang. The biker gang's not going to take it, but also the significant other of what I thought was kind of odd, but Roxy is an informant. Yeah. So you've now spurned both the biker gang and the woman who's the informant to the government faction. Yeah, um, I, I have no idea where that's going to go. And I like that. I, I like that. I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode. The um, biker guy was number two, right? Uh, we can assume as much because of his screen time with uh, she said vice. Pre- Did she say like my boyfriend's vice president or my Sergeant man, my old man? Sergeant Arms, that's what it was. So, like, third, then. Yeah, but, like, the muscle. Yeah. Um, before the, uh, the ending of the episode, though, I, I have one note saying I really do love the meeting at the bar. Because I'm always down to see these guys together. But we get Bodhi's return, and again, it's very heavy. Um, and, and, Sandra, you brought up the point that in anticipation of the raid, they already removed the money from the store, which I, which I love. Um, but this, this time getting the guys together, even like Dwight acknowledging babe, uh, in a, uh, booth in the bar, it was kind of funny, but this scene, it wasn't fun. The, the bar was where everybody gets together and we regroup, we have a few laughs and we progress the story. And now it's, it's a, a depressing space for me. Did either of you get that? I felt like that's where the tension got let off, actually, in a weird way. Interesting. Because okay. Dwight, Dwight let let uh, Bodie just unload on him mm-hmm. about how you know how much I should have left day one and blah blah blah, knowing what he had already done, right? Knowing that mm-hmm. Bodie doesn't know yet, right? And then letting him just do it, and then kind of letting it go after doesn't not holding a grudge and being like, "Cool, man, sit down. Let's go. Let's go sit down. We took care of it already." So it felt like it, it was a release of tension in a way, didn't it? Um, in 
story. Yeah. Okay. I, I get the release of tension, but it's a different more angle, so, different point of view from it. Of course, yeah, for me, it's normally like, this is where we get some jokes to relax from the stress of previous actions in the episode. And this was more of, um, I guess an honest, open discussion between everybody in a place where we normally get humor. Right. And no one got defensive. You just let them say it, right? They tried to be humorous. They had uh, Tyson making the joke, which was a terrible joke about the balloon animals and selling the nitrous to kids. I guess, mm-hmm. like, I guess that was supposed to be kind of the tension relieving moment, but that joke was terrible. It was quite deflating. Oh. Oh, that was awful. That, that was uh, bad. And also, I had no idea what <laughs> where they threw that in there for. That really threw me off too about the balloon animals. I'm like, did I just hear balloon animals and kids with nitrous? What? What? Let's go to a dentist. Uh, here, here's a point I really want to bring up: injecting more of Spencer into the show. Well, what was the whole point of like the the Spencer, Nepotism. the horse, the purchasing, the stabling? Like, I don't. Is this yeah. supposed to be some sort of weird metaphor for Dwight? Like, is this horse Definitely. supposed to be a symbol of Dwight since we first saw it? Yeah. I just don't know. I did enjoy the part where the guy who, I guess, owned the horse previously was like, I don't want that horse. It's useless and stupid. And, and Dwight's essentially like, yeah, well, it keeps breaking out on you. So what does that say about you? Yeah. Keeps you <laughs> on your toes. Yeah. But yeah, as far as Spencer goes, she's, I, I believe, only here because she's a Stallone. Um, of course. No, she's I- a cage. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Isn't that a Coppola, right? Isn't Cage a Coppola? Like, oh, geez, yes, yes. Yeah, whatever. Um, Pilot, Sandra, to your, to your statement, yes, 100% is, is Dwight. Uh, always Agreed. escaping, surviving, um, finding their own means to, es- well, just survive, I guess. But um, So is Dwight Putting it in the stable, being told it's just for one week, and him essentially scoffing at that, like, yeah, one week, we'll see. Him saying that I found my new home? No, I think the one week thing uh, goes very well along with him saying that he's considering getting out of Tulsa. Okay, I thought that was maybe his mentality of being kind of banished to Tulsa in the first place. Oh, it'll just be in you know, for a little bit and I'll get out of here again. And now he's just like, no, I'm, I'm laying down roots. Right. You, you could be right. It is a decent interpretation. Um, I, I just saw it as they both have, they're both on, um, both on the clock right now. And they don't know how long they're going to have where they are. Um, well, it felt state- like he was laying down roots or else he wouldn't have made the offer to the bar. I mean, at the end, just, yes, you are correct. Right. And it does, it just didn't seem like that, right? Like, it seems like he's made this action now that seems mm-hmm. to lend him staying. Well, the, these notes I'm going over, I made in real time. So that oh, offer to buy the bar hasn't me. even happened at that point. I <laughs> know uh, you are very, you are very right with that, though. Only, only in hindsight, man. We watched it already. Yeah. So, um, I will say, though, I didn't need any of this horse stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like his, yeah. his daughter. Just kill the kill them all. Turn them all into glue. What about Stacy coming up with a plan to set up Waltrip and have Dwight offer to buy guns from him? She's gonna do something that goes over the line. Well, I mean that that immediately incriminates both Dwight and Waltrip, so she would come out on top there. And I think that's her game. But they don't go into that at all. So this is just a lost storyline for me because Dwight shoots it down immediately. Scenes over. What was the point? 
Well, if, if he accepted it, what I think what they're trying to paint is that she's trying to help him, right? And he's refusing mm-hmm. the help. And what she would have done is just made him the informant, right? And would have protected him during the during the buy, right? Would have, would have made him absolve another. Yeah. I guess but, it does make us question her motives, though, because I don't think that she would fully protect him. Okay. But that's just my I interpretation. Think she's I think she's way, I think for some reason she has an unhealthy, unnatural, really liking of Dwight, even though we like him. She really, he must, he must be really good in bed. You've made that comment on like every episode. Well, <laughs> means he believes it, man. <laughs> Are you not confused about this relationship? Why she cares that much about him? That after two times in bed now, she's like, I have to save you and protect you from the big bad FBI. <laughs> I don't know. I think Ben was a little bit on point here where I think her motivations are askewed and it could be that she's trying to protect herself because we saw the conversation in the bowling alley earlier in the episode where she tells Dwight, like, I could lose my job and my pension just for talking to you. And now here she like, is talking oh, to I'm him having- because she makes bad decisions. So she's having a panic moment where if she can essentially set up this sting purchase of the weapons, get Dwight as an informant. Now Mm -hmm. she's saving her own career because she was dealing with Dwight in order to bring down the, uh, was it the McAdams? Yes. So black McAdams. It's (laughs) saving her own ass. I get it, but I, I'm actually, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the counterpoint to that. As she's telling him, she shouldn't be talking to him. She's talking to him as she's helping him. She's doing things that are, way out of her purview that she knows already he's done bad stuff and is trying mm-hmm. to help him get out of it and she's going to overstep that's my opinion i i could be way 180 degrees off but i do appreciate the divergence in our opinions on this i think it's kind of cool that we're both seeing it from different sides of the coin i think both of those are valid too um, i mean they're both I potential right yeah i don't know how that's going to play out i am curious but at the same time like this this should not be the main story element we should be focusing on this isn't this isn't the a plot whatsoever yeah but we've and, been asking for them to do something with stacy for a while now like well allow give her, her to a purpose. The forefront exact well yes but it doesn't seem like it's important enough yet like this the story of this episode is to me uh muddled at best so we've got very few episodes left to wrap up this season, and I, I don't know if the season finale is going to wrap up a storyline or just set us up for a bigger wave of the same story in season two. Quick question, gentlemen. Do you think What's he's going to get Sean Beaned? No, oh, without a doubt. Uh, like, I this, still don't this episode, think, like this season? I still don't think that he'll necessarily get killed, but I think that he will potentially be killed. I mean, it's on the table, but he could also potentially end up back in jail. Um, maybe he does go to Siberia and I, I would guess that maybe, and my mentality was based on game of Thrones and Sean Bean that they won't wait till the last episode. It might happen in like episode eight, uh, where something happens Uh to Dwight and then episode nine, we see, uh, maybe even Mitch kind of pick up the mantle and, and the pieces around it. I think it would probably happen in the first episode of season two. That would be a hell of a beginning. Uh, set up a crazy finale for this season. Often at the beginning of the next season, it, it gives you a massive um, viewership for that one episode, and then everybody wants to know what happens next. Oh, and yeah. that's where you and get these supporting characters. It happen if they didn't watch it yet. Exactly, it gives everyone a time to shine. All of the the secondary characters, um, or you know what, they don't, 
and it gets played out old and canceled. But we we've already covered what happens after this. Like Roxy calls it wall trip. Uh, Dwight offers to partner up with Mitch to run the bar. Um, Tina's husband gets fucked up, and then we get the attack on the bar at the end. Did did this feel like a solid end to the episode? Because when it ended, I was like, oh, it's over. There was no big like music like play out or anything. It was just a shooting that they yeah, came out on top weird. of. Yeah, I didn't really. I just it kind of just fade to black, right? Like boom, yeah, done. Sandra, how do you feel about the end of this episode? I thought it was good. Uh, I think oh, that, okay. like I mentioned earlier, the the shooting of the biker is very. It's going to be more monumental just because it's going to hit from multiple sides, and ultimately, it's going to feel a little cheap that Roxy just all of a sudden appeared as an informant in this episode, mm. uh, just to conveniently be able to tie this killing into multiple factions but i still think that the ripples of that uh action are going to be very great mm-hmm. i'm curious to see what what happens next for sure all right so we've kind of covered all of the storylines in the episode why don't we get into our highlights um what was your favorite anything from the episode honestly that's a really tough one for me um i'm probably gonna have to go with um the meeting at the bar when uh right before Bodhi shows up uh it was a little bit of the levity that i love from the the previous episodes um like again i said the old man babe gave me a good laugh and that's what i needed from this because i've already said this felt muddled to me so bringing that up with a bit of humor i really enjoyed and then going into like Bodhi showing up and and so on made me kind of care a bit more um but there was no real standout for me this time uh which is unfortunate uh mark what uh what was yours for me it was actually is it goody is that was a guy what the guy's name the consigliere yep yeah it was the first conversation between the two of them when he said you can't give me enough valium to get on an airplane i have to take a train like his two conditions were i gotta run it by pete you know the big man and also i can't fly and i thought their conversation actually was that levity that you were talking about and i thought that was pretty decent of the conversations that were but to your mm-hmm. point the entire episode was like one homogenized conversation that nothing really stuck out in any special way in my opinion yeah i agree i i completely agree with that for me it was Bodie's confrontation with dwight uh i think that it was a moment of brevity for Bodie because i even made the comment i was like the most honest answer that he could have given when dwight asked him if he had revealed any information to the fbi but the moment that absolutely like just put it over the top for me was after it all happened after they showed him that they had kind of cleaned out the safe before the fbi could raid it he just kind of says to dwight can i join you guys for dinner and i was just like yeah i like bobby yeah that that's actually a very good point uh up until here when we have Bodie and Dwight interacting it seems like he's just giving off smug sarcasm and here it was a smug honesty which we don't normally get from him and uh yeah actually now now that you bring that point up Sandra I'm gonna have to uh switch my choice that that is definitely the uh the highlight for me I think that you did make a really good point I didn't really think about it but by saying it that way it also shows family where he can actually get upset at someone for something they did or an action that they've done and then still be like, 
I'm with you guys, right? Yeah. I think it also displays Dwight does run things a little bit differently from perhaps the mob and the bikers because he can understand where Bodhi's coming from. He can let him let off some steam. It's not an insult. It's not, you know, disrespectful. And now he needs to be punished. No, now you, you got it off your chest. We can move past it, have a meal together. But yeah. the fact is Bodhi would have had no issue with the bikers nor anyone else because his business was legal and he wasn't getting extorted until Dwight came along. <laughs> so like, let's be honest, he actually created the problem that he's trying to avoid. Yeah, but we're not there anymore. We're here now. It's uh, oh, yeah, the, okay. the relationship has <laughs> drastically changed from when the extortion began. Yeah, um, excellent point. Excellent because point. we've but seen he just it. called last episode. He did say he was being extorted. So yeah, but as early as the second episode, when they were going to the to the <laughs> dispensary, <laughs> we we could see Bodhi kind of warming up to Dwight and starting totally to see was. the You're value right. in Dwight, and it became less of like a forced relationship, and it felt like Bodhi was kind of settling into it, and now. More than anything, the, the simple statement of, can I join you guys for dinner, is Bodhi kind of willing himself into the group now, uh, rather than feeling forced into it. I like it. And this is what leads me to believe that in the next few episodes, we're going to see Bodhi kill. No, don't say that. Don't even put that out there. No, not get killed. He's going to kill. Oh, okay. I don't know if I want to see that. I either. feel like he was all fun up until the balloons with the nitrous in them in the parking lot. Then it turned yeah. on him. He's been kind yeah. of not fun since then. Yeah, it could be a scenario where um, Dwight's presence just poisons everybody else around him. Interesting. It was like a very good episode, but like also not uh, didn't really stick out. Right. What'd it was a think? great, yeah. not good episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that brings us to the challenge of ranking it then. It's like no. extra medium. I know where I would place it, but I want to hear what you guys think. Help us out where we're at, Sandra. Okay, so the current rundown is episode one, three, four, two, and then five. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. This goes between episode two and five, second from the bottom. Um, it's nowhere near as fun as I had previously. Uh, I've already said it felt muddled. It felt like a reset. It felt like we're going, now we're building to another story, and that's fine, but it didn't have enough to really grip me like the other ones did, except for the last one didn't grip me at all. Um, I like that it's giving me hope as to where we're going, but it didn't promise me anything yet, so I'm putting it second from last. I think we're right there. I have it either above two or below two. So I either have it exactly where you have it between two and five or just above two. And mm -hmm. I'm not certain because two is such a, for me, such kind of a deflator from one in, in eh, only in the, in a comparison sense. Right. And we talk about privacy and the rule of recency and all that, but I don't, I'm kind of, I think you can sell me on between two and five for sure. Yeah. Sandra, what about you, man? I put it above episode two. I think episode two is still overvalued by Ben. It has been for a while and we've had to talk it down to him. Outside of the humor from the trip, that episode two didn't really have that much. Um, so yes, it had more humor, but if I'm watching the show for humor, I, I think I'm doing it wrong. Uh, this episode had a lot more 
important pieces being moved around. Although two did have bad face, which this did not. (laughs) See, you get that one little guy. But that's just it for me. I think that I I view this episode as a lot more of a trigger, as I mentioned earlier. And there was so many pieces that were, we'll say, put into motion that I. I was intrigued. I don't know if I was necessarily as entertained, but I was definitely very intrigued and I would put it above two. I think it had a lot of okay. meat on the bones and I need to be sold of whether I'm going to put it where Ben or whether it, where Sandra wants to Well, you because... pretty much said that you were in either or and Ben and right. I took the All right. <laughs> both right. And I need there. to be, well, I got to, I don't know. We're not, we don't all have to be in agreement anyway. It's not like it matters that much. Here, here's a, a quick question for you, Sandro. If the next episode isn't a banger, is this episode as good as you want it to be? I don't know. Because if you say this is a trigger and there's no payoff in seven, is this actually a trigger or is it just a mediocre episode? It doesn't diminish the intrigue I felt while watching this episode. Okay. I found myself very glued to this episode, even though I wasn't riveted by it. Like I was very present in Mm -hmm. it, if that makes sense. Sandra? I think if it doesn't actually lead to the trigger events like I mentioned, I think that'll be more of a uh, disappointment for the next episode than it will be retroactively for this episode. Okay. And it's kind of hard. We can't really talk about the rankings by the context. We're kind of taking them off on their own, right? On their individual pieces. And to the point, I felt two was more of a letdown. This one had more, just more stuff. Like it had more meat to it, I felt. Well, you are essentially the tiebreaker here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go above two. I'm sorry, Ben. That's fine. It's okay to I be still wrong. Love you, man. It does not have bad face. I mean, that's you know, that's like you got the almost. We got one in one A. We got three and three A now or something. He's not included in enough of the actual group uh, scenes that we see. Not yet. He's going to be a heavy-handed player later on. I guarantee it. He better be. But Ben, you got outvoted twice now. Uh, so. Maybe, Ben, you won't get vetoed next episode. From everyone here at Channel Surfing, remember, here we are bloody but not beaten. Down but not out. From this point on, this city and everything in it belongs to us. Until next time.